After a little bit of a layoff, um, we knew that this month-long hiatus was going to happen. We were hoping that we could finish out the schedule preview before that. Unfortunately, uh, it wasn't exactly in the cards. But anyway, we're here to talk about the last four games. And, yeah, Maryland and Rutgers not too exciting, but we close out with Penn State and Michigan, so that's always a thrill. Well, Mike, real quick, before we do break that down, why don't you tell the listeners what, what you've been up to for the better part of the past five or six weeks. Yeah, um, I've been saving saving lives uh, in the operating room. No, uh, it, it's been pretty crazy. I've had like 80 hours a week uh, at the at working at a hospital. Um, and it's okay. Like, I'm on vacation now, so it's all calmed down. And I guess that's just the life of, uh, of being in medicine. You're either, like, real, you're either running, like, full speed, 100 miles an hour, or you're not really doing anything. So, fortunately now... I uh, can catch up on some R and R, and and I feel like I, I was in like a in a hole, and now I can just like pop out of the hole and and finally like reconsume sports for the first time. And you know, for someone who is fully addicted to sports, not being able to really consume much was, uh, you know, it, it's like a drug. I, I'm I, I was in rehab, and now now finally I can get my fix again. I mean, I'm sure you know in in your busy times in your life what that's like when you can't consume sports as much as you would like. Yeah, I, I feel like though, if if you were to pick any month of the year to be crazy busy and consumed, now you picked the right time. Um, July is always a bit of a dead month, you know. You got the MLB All Star Game, sure, but after that, pretty dead until the start of August, right when college football and the NFL start to heat back up. So I don't know if that was planned by you, but testaments to you for planning that out so well. That's true. It's either July, the other month that is always terrible is February, too. Because, it, like, right after the Super Bowl, there's nothing. Uh, maybe you get some, like, NBA games, but other than that, uh, not much. But, yeah, I mean, we're 37 days away from week one of the college football season, which is actually, in, well, 37 days away from Ohio State's first game. Uh, we're 30 days away from, like, week zero of the college football season, whatever you want to call it, because they have those, like, Stupid games the week before, um, but yeah, it's definitely exciting. You can uh, you can feel the football buzz now that you know uh, we're getting closer. You absolutely can, and Mike, just just to throw this out there, week zero this year, typically, like you said, terrible games. You know, maybe a Colorado State versus San Jose State type of game, um, but this year, Florida. Uh, if, uh, I can't remember. It's Florida, Miami, or Florida State, Miami. Yeah, Florida, Miami. Zero. In Orlando. That could be fun. Yeah, better than typically the games are like Cal, Hawaii, and they're being and they're playing in Australia at like two right. o'clock in the morning. So uh, a little bit better of an option than that. Uh, uh, Nate, what do you what do you, what do you say we get to it and and talk about Maryland first? Uh, a team that really gave us a scare last year, and and really uh, that that was man, I I remember that game like it was yesterday. That fifty two fifty one finish was giving me heart palpitations. 
Yeah, uh, last year at Maryland, uh, you know, the defense really got exposed. I remember Anthony McFarland for Maryland ran for like 298 yards or something ridiculous like that. Um, Maryland's bringing in a new head coach, Mike Loxley, a lot of hype around him because he was the Alabama offensive coordinator last year. But this is, this is a guy who's been a head coach before, and he does not have a good track record. I'm not overly concerned. I don't think he is taking this program to the next level like some think. Um, and so I think Ohio State, especially at home, and with a revamped defense that should be humming by that point, I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, Anthony McFarlane does kind of scare me. He ran for over 200 yards against Ohio State last year. Uh, he finished the year with over 1,000 yards and had eight yards per carry, which was pretty insane. But other than that, uh, that quarterback, what was his name, Tyrell Pigrome, he's probably not going to be the starting quarterback. Instead, they're going to go with Josh Jackson, a guy who transferred from Virginia Tech, who had a pretty good year at Virginia Tech in 2017. But, I mean, by that point in the season, who knows what the Maryland quarterback situation is going to be. I feel like they always are on their eighth-string quarterback by the time week 11 rolls around. So, you can never be too sure about the Terrapins, but I agree with you. And this game's also going to be in Columbus, so that's another reason why it doesn't really scare me. And famous last words, I guess. But they're a very young defense. They're a very just young team in general. And last year on defense, they gave up 390 yards per game, which was in the low hundreds in terms of ranking in all of FBS. And they're only returning three starters. So I guess you can view that as a good thing because they can kind of turn the page. But at the same time, very inexperienced defense, and I think by that point, uh, Justin Fields should be running through them like a hot knife through butter. Yeah, and Mike, th- this is after a bye week um, with Rutgers the following week. Remember, a year ago, we played at Maryland on the road with Michigan a week away, and so I think that really set up as a bit of a trap game for Ohio State because, you know, Maryland's a team, let's face it, in the Big Ten, they're very easy to to overlook. Um, and so I think things are going to be a lot different this year for Ohio State. I'm going to pick the Buckeyes to win that one big. I'll say somewhere in the 50s to somewhere in the teens. Okay, well, I'll, I'll throw you at 55 to 19. Uh, I'm going to say we win that one 40 to 24. I think it will be a little bit closer. I think sometimes what we've seen from these Ohio State teams and granted, Ryan Day might be a different animal than Urban Meyer, but after the bye week, they might come out a little bit sluggish, a little bit slow, especially if they don't have, like, the impetus to play uh, really, really, really hard. And I, I agree. And the other thing last year that not only was that Maryland game before a big game, but it was after. It was also after that real slobber knocker with Michigan State. So you could definitely argue that we were a little bit beat up after that road game against Michigan State, which was kind of back and forth, good defensive battle. And uh, and then playing Maryland, I guess, was just, you know, sometimes it's a little bit tough. It's just those trap games kind of uh, kind of fall in weird spots. Also, Nate, sorry, we should have done this at the top, but just in case you did not listen to the other podcast and you're kind of swooping in now, to this point, Nate and I both have predicted Ohio State to be 7-1, and one, I guess 8-1 and one if you cap off Maryland. And Nate had us losing to Nebraska, the fifth game of the year, 38-35, to and I have us losing to Michigan State, the sixth game of the year, 19-16. to So we both predicted an upset along the way, but surprisingly, we both have them taking care of business against Wisconsin 
and in the other games as well. Are you regretting that Nebraska prediction at all, Nate? Um, I don't think so. I, I really think that one of the two losses, they're either going to come – I think at Nebraska or at Northwestern, one of those two games, I think about Michigan State, and I I think the fact that that's going to be a night game at home, um, Ryan Day's first night game as Buckeye head coach, I think those boys are going to be ready to play. Uh, and then I, I honestly expect the Wisconsin game to be the same type of situation. And so I, I really see one of those two games on the road – Nebraska, everyone's saying it's going to happen. They're going to beat the Buckeyes. Uh, and then Northwestern, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, I'll, I'll, I'll be bold, Mike. Pat Fitzgerald's the best coach in the Big Ten. Wow. Really? I, over uh, – would you put him over James Franklin? Actually, I don't think James Franklin's that good to be coach. He's a good recruiter, but – Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think Ryan Day has the – potential, but there's just not enough proof in the pudding. I would have said last year that I'd put Pat Fitzgerald two. Probably Urban Meyer one, Pat Fitzgerald two, Mark Antonio three, Scott Frost four. Uh, Jim Harbaugh what, eight? Would you, would Chris uh, yeah, Jim probably, <laughs> probably six or seven. Six or seven? Jeez. I mean, I, I, I don't think I agree with you as much as I want to agree with you. Um, more on Harbaugh to come later in this podcast. Next next game, Nate, uh, Rutgers, always a tough game for Ohio State on the schedule. Uh, over the last – Nate, can you guess the last three – we've played – since Chris Ash took over as the Rutgers head coach, we've played Rutgers three times. Can you guess the combined score in the last three meetings? This is always a fun exercise. Uh, I'm going to say 162 to 10. Very close, 166 to three. So it was even wow. worse than you expected. Yeah, they they haven't scored a touchdown in three years against us, which is pretty crazy. Uh, this game, we're going to be going to Piscataway, New Jersey. Uh, Rutgers, incredible home field advantage. Uh, probably not going to be easy on us. Exactly, and if that just doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does. Uh, last year, they had literally the worst quarterback in the country. Arthur Sitowski was a true freshman. Now he's a sophomore. He had 18 interceptions, and he only completed 49.1% of his passes. And in today's, you know, game of college football where there are screen passes and all these drag routes and you're not really attacking deep downfield, that is a pretty unbelievable stat. And I actually think that if I – I haven't thrown a football in at least eight months. I think if I took over as a starting quarterback for Rutgers, I could at least complete 40%. So I don't know what he's doing at 50% completion percentage. Dude, that is freaking tragic. Yeah, Arthur Sitkowski, uh, not a talented guy. He rushed the ball 22 times last year for negative 66 yards. Um I, I hate to say it, Mike. I, I think that when we get to this point in the season, Chris Ash is going to be is no longer going to be the head coach at Rutgers. Um, I think that they'll beat UMass Week One, and then they're going to go on to lose the next however many games. And I think what's going to do it is they're going to lose to Liberty and Hugh Freeze at home, and we'll be looking at a a new coach at, in Rutgers, at Rutgers. And so I think this is going to be a game where that team pretty much just lays down lays down and dies 
Um, I expect nothing from this team. I think the onslaught continues. I think the Buckeyes win 66-0. Wow. Predicting the old shutout. Um, it's hard for me to really disagree with that. I'll say 63-14. to I'm going to give them some credit. I think maybe they can find their way into the end zone. I love how uh, when their offensive coordinator, John McNulty, was asked, like, what are the specific things you need to improve on on offense? His answer was, we were one and eleven. We need to get better at everything. <laughs> hey, you know, Mike, I've I've heard rumors that uh, old Pete Kuchark might be up for the head coaching gig there. Uh, at this point, like, what do they have to lose? You know, just total overhaul. Uh, I'm sure my dad can just be like fully immerse himself in the stats analysis and and just <laughs> and maybe hire the right people to go on the recruiting trail, but. Look, they long gone are the days of Ray Rice, Mike Teal, and um, they had a really good – Kenny Britt, that was another guy that they had that was pretty Mohamed good. Uh, Brian Leonard, Mohamed Sanu. They, they, were, they had a decent run there with Greg Schiano, and um, I think that's when Jim Delaney was, you know, ingratiated Rutgers to the Big Ten. I think he was getting that team. Uh, little did he realize that they're basically a glorified FCS team, and it's just a free win for everyone else in the Big Ten East every year. Would would you say, Mike, that that Rutgers is the worst team in the Power Five? You know, you're rivaling Kansas. Um, oh, definitely not Kansas anymore. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's hard because I think like I would have put Kansas below Rutgers because the truth is with Rutgers, like they're still in a good conference and they still have. There's a lot of football talent in New Jersey, just like basketball, but for some reason they have not been able to recruit very well. So I think it's one of those situations where the ceiling is a lot higher than Kansas, but for some reason they just haven't been able to put it all together. Uh, are they the worst team right now? I'm going to say yes, but I'm also going to say that might not be the case five, ten years from now. Like, you know, I would actually think that, like, I, I don't know, it's just hard. I guess the Big Ten's a very interesting kind of situation because all the teams are positioned in pretty good recruiting bases because, like, Maryland sucks too, but they also recruit from the DMV, so they have a lot of good talent. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, but to answer your – that's a long-winded way to answer your question. I'll say yes to the worst team in the Big Ten. What do you think? Or Big Ten – old, old NCAA. I think you're right. Yeah, I, I think – I mean, we saw Oregon State a year ago. They're probably in the conversation. Kansas has less miles now. Um there's no team in the SEC, I think, that's quite at that level, and probably the same could be said for the ACC. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think it's, I think it's Butkers. <laughs> Butkers. So now we, we can get to the real meat and potatoes of this podcast. Moving on, Ohio State's next game, Penn State at home. It's the two-year anniversary of the famous comeback, uh, J.T. Barrett game-winning touchdown. I think it was Marcus Ball. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, but that was obviously a super exciting game. And then followed up by last year, another comeback. So James Franklin has really, really uh, been, on, been on the losing end of some, some tough losses over the last few years. We're obviously very excited about that. But what do you think about this Penn State team coming into this year? A lot of unknowns. Yeah, it, they are a team of, of relative unknowns. I think the biggest thing to note with them, Mike, is that they lost Trace McSorley, kind of the heart and soul of this team, really the guy that took uh, James Franklin to another level. And, you know, the guy who they'd had for three years backing him up 
Tommy Stevens, it's like, okay, it's finally going to be his show. He is the guy, and he transferred. He's at Mississippi State now. And so Sean Clifford, um, I believe he's a junior, is going to come in. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's a, he's a freshman or sophomore, sorry. He's going to come in and, and try and compete um, in the Big Ten East. And so I think this is a team that's really young. Um, Ricky Slade, former five-star running back, along with Noah Kane, are are going to be in the backfield. And then, you know, they've got a lot of weapons with K.J. Hamler and uh, Justin Shorter on the outside. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, Mike, I just don't think the depth is there for the Nittany Lions that has been in, in the past years. I think they have a down year. And I my gut kind of says they finished something like seven and five. And so I think you, you might say I'm crazy, but I really think this could be a blowout game, a game where Ohio State really kind of blows the doors off and James Franklin gets exposed. It's almost like things are going to come full circle. You know, I, I agree with you there for the most part. Um, and the whole quarterback thing, like, I'm going to make a little bit of a comparison. Like, it's always the argument, is it Belichick or is it Brady for the Patriots' success? This is obviously a poor man's comparison, but Penn State the last three years, was it because of Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley, or was it because of James Franklin? And I'm really in the camp that Trace McSorley really, really got this thing going the last three years. And as much as we didn't think he was a great quarterback, he still had 31 wins in three years, um, and I was very surprised. I mean, look, they had nine wins last year, so they didn't exactly reach the expectations that they were aiming for, but they they were a pretty competitive team without Saquon Barkley. I thought last year they were going to take a huge step back, and I think that comes down to Trace McSorley uh, really just putting the offense on his back. K.J. Hamler is probably their only offensive player that really scares me, but I think not having that reliable quarterback to bail you out like Trace McSorley did I think that's really going to put them in a bad position offensively. I think defensively, they're pretty solid. Last year, they led the FBS in sacks. Uh, maybe they can replicate that. They have a pretty good defensive line. Um, and remember, uh, Micah Parsons, he was a guy that Ohio State was kind of going after for a little bit of five-star, and he's primed for a good year at, at the outside linebacker spot. But I agree with you here. I'm going to say that we win this one 44-20. I think especially – with the Michigan game coming next, I think we're going to be fully focused to close out the season, and it helps a lot that this game's going to be in Columbus, and I just don't think that that young offense is going to be ready for what we bring to the table on defense with that game season. Yeah, I, and and also to, to go off that, Mike, we're going to be coming off of a bye week, Maryland and Rutgers. We should, in theory, be – you know, pretty dang rested at that point. Penn State has a stretch through the middle of the season where they're at Iowa, at Michigan State, home with Michigan, at Minnesota, at Ohio State. That's a rough several weeks. And so, I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a bit of a backslide for Penn State this year. And, Mike, going into the greatest rivalry in sports the next week, I think it is absolutely imperative that the Buckeyes win this game and win big and that it's not a slobber knocker game. Otherwise, I think we could be in trouble. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question here. Would you rather, because I can hypothetically see a situation where Ohio State has one Big Ten loss at this point. Michigan has one Big Ten loss. 
Penn State has two Big Ten losses, and this is essentially an elimination game for the Big Ten. Would you rather Penn State's Big Ten chances be totally over with heading into this game and they're strictly playing as a spoiler, or would you rather a situation where Penn State's really good at this point in the season and they're still in contention for the Big Ten title? Because I would argue that potentially Ohio State might not bring the intensity as much if they're strictly playing a spoiler and Penn State's out versus if they're both competitive. That, you know, that's a fair point, Mike. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. I think maybe it'd be better for Penn State to be, you know, they're they're not a great team. They're kind of fooling people. Um and I, I, yeah, I think that would be a little bit better than them to be, you know, someone that we're completely sleeping on. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. I think it would be better for them to be a team with a nine or ten win season to this point, or I guess maybe eight or nine win season to this point, and then we come really ready to play football. It, especially because the teams that Ohio State has struggled with over the last few years, we tend to play very good in big games against big teams, uh, you know, maybe Clemson aside. But we we tend to always really bring the lumber, but struggle against the Purdue's and the Iowa's of the world, and even Virginia Tech going back to the national championship year. So I, I in general, I, I think like I, as much as it hurts to root for James Franklin because he's quite frankly a dickhead, and as much as it hurts to root for Harbaugh. You kind of want these teams to be as good as possible going into our games so we get more credit for winning those teams. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Mike, What's your, you, you predicted a blowout. What's your uh, official num- numerics prediction for this game? Um, I'm going to say, I'll say 42-14. Wow, big, big blowout. Pretty, pretty ugly. I think, yeah, I, I really think that they're going to get exposed. and It's, it's really going to kind of be one of those is James Franklin who we thought he was type deals or if he just, you know, kind of had a school. Well, so we both have Ohio State 10-1 and heading into the best rivalry in sports. We would both agree that. Uh, Michigan, this one's up in Ann Arbor. Wow, would you, Nate? Would you sign for ten and one heading into this game if I told you right now on a piece of paper? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's there's no question. Um, obviously, you like to be eleven and zero, um, but you know, part of me almost I, I say this cautiously. I don't want people to mishear me, but you know, this team has a loss going into that game, and they're probably a little bit more motivated to to really go out and play. Um, and hey, I, I'm not sleeping on the factor of the Buckeyes being an underdog where no one's, you know, they're the, they're a six, seven point dog and that team being really fired up. I'm not sleeping on that at all. All the hype, all the pressure is on the Wolverines this year. So 10 and 1, I, sign me up. And we saw last year how that worked out. All the pressure was on Michigan. Uh, you know, Ken Harbaugh finally do it. This is his chance. Michigan's finally favored. And obviously Ohio State came to play, and we totally routed them. Uh, put up a nice 60-burger. I, I, I mean, I would take 10-1 and in a heartbeat, too, because even if Michigan's 11-0 at that point, we're still, like, in it. And we're definitely going to be in the hunt for the playoff at that point. And that's all you could really ask for at the end of the day is to be in it. You know, I want to watch meaningful football 
all the way up until the Michigan game, and hopefully, if we're lucky enough, get the Big Ten title in the playoffs. But this, this one's gonna, I think, be you know we we won the last four games against them under Harbaugh, but I think this is definitely gonna be the toughest task. Oh man, I but Michigan's also getting a lot of hype, so part of me doesn't want to pick Michigan to win, but part of me thinks they are gonna win. I don't know, I'm very tor- torn right here, and I'm I'm sure you are too. Yeah, Mike, let me let's let's trip it back a little bit, and and you tell me. I, I feel like the Michigan season goes in one of two directions, right? I, I feel like they either get a big win at Wisconsin early in the year, and then a big win at Penn State, and then they beat Notre Dame at home and Michigan State at home. And this is a team that's ten and one or eleven and zero. And rolling into Ohio State with tons of confidence. Now that confidence could go either way. It could it could lead them to steamroll the Buckeyes, or it could be false confidence. I think that's scenario one. But I think scenario two that's just as realistic. Say they drop a couple of games. Say they lose at Wisconsin and then home against Iowa twice in the first five weeks. This is a team that I think the wheels could fall off. We've seen that from Shea Patterson a little bit. He's not quite the, you know, sturdy rock mentally that other quarterbacks are. What do you think is more likely? I don't, you know, I, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that it's going to be somewhere in between. In fact, I would almost guarantee I will bet a lot of money on this. Any listener wants to take me up on this, I'm willing to do a $100 bet. Michigan will be 9-2 and two or 10-1 and one heading into the Ohio State game. I don't see a situation where the wheels come off because Michigan's just been so good and so consistent on defense. It's really hard. Like I can't, I can't really see Wisconsin. Like we thought Wisconsin would beat them last year, and Michigan just ended up, or two years ago, and Michigan ended up like just steamrolling them. So I don't see that in the, that scenario. But I also just don't. They have a lot of tough games. I don't see them like going through the schedule completely unscathed. So I, I think they're going to be ten and one or nine and two heading into this game. So I, as always seems to be the case, I really think this game is going to decide the Big Ten East title, who goes to the Big Ten championship, and ultimately who's going to be playing for a playoff spot at, at yeah, that point. You know, you know, Mike, something that people aren't talking enough about with Michigan, too, um, I know they brought in Josh Gaddis from Alabama, this you know new coordinator who's going to run up-tempo and all this stuff, stuff we've heard before, and, and maybe that's true. But, Mike, the bottom line is Jim Harbaugh, when it gets down to it, he's a guy in close games that wants to run the football. And I look at this roster, and I don't know who their running back is. Karan Higdon's gone. Uh, Chris Evans is suspended for the entire season. You know, who, who does that leave to be the guy that you're handing the rock to late in the game? Is it, is it True Wilson, who's 5'10 and barely 200 pounds? I mean, it, yeah, I think it's Yeah, I mean, I, I, Michigan's got such a good offensive line, though. I'm pretty sure they have, like, four guys on their offensive line returning that made either first, second, or third team all Big Ten. So it could be one of those situations, like, where the running back ends up running for a 1,000 yards just by default. Uh, plus, Shea Patterson can run a little bit. I, I actually have more questions with their receiving core. Because just because I feel like they're constantly hurt. Like, they've got a ton of talent, Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, but they haven't really, like, there's been no situation where those guys have 
been able to play week one to week 14 and stayed healthy. And I think they're going to need that consistent consistency. To Shea Patterson's not that great of a uh, of a throwing quarterback. So I don't know. I, I have more questions with the receiving core just because of uh, of how good that offensive line is. And I think honestly, defensively though, because let's keep in mind Ryan Day poaching two of their defensive coaches. Also, they lost Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, and Devin Bush to the NFL. Devin Bush, remember when he sat out of that Florida game when they played them in their bowl game last year? They got absolutely torched on defense. So I actually I have more questions for this Michigan team. But then again, you turn on ESPN, no matter where you look, and everyone's predicting them to make the championship game. So who really knows? That's fair. That's all fair statements, Mike. All What's your prediction, statements. though, Nate? When it, well, push comes to shove. Do you think the Buckeyes can pull this one out, clinch an 11-1 season, and make the Big Ten championship game? I think the Buckeyes go up to Ann Arbor and get a W. Yep, I I really do. People might call me crazy, um, but, I yeah, I believe that's going to happen. And so um, I'm trying to think of a final score here. I tend to think Michigan's not quite as good as people are letting on. And so I'm going to go ahead and say that that they lose a couple of games throughout the season, maybe two or three. And this is still a tight game because of the rivalry sake, but I think they kind of shut down and the Buckeyes win by 10 points, we'll say 38 to 28. All right. Well, I also have Michigan scoring 28 points. However, I only have Ohio State scoring 17 points. So I actually think we're going to lose this one. Unfortunately, I think it's just, there's going to be so much motivation on Michigan's side considering they've lost the last four years. Harbaugh hasn't had any success. I think it's going to be a lot for Ryan Day to do in his first year. And who knows, maybe Ohio State fans will start calling him John Cooper. Like, especially if they're 10-1 going to this game and then he loses the Michigan game, it could be, uh, you know, John Cooper all over again. But, man, I, I hope you're right. I really hope so. But, unfortunately, I think Michigan is uh, is a little bit better of a, and a more of a complete team than we are to this point. I mean, who knows? You know, it could shake out differently. And I'm sure we're both going to have different predictions when that pod, podcast comes along. But right now, as it stands, I think Michigan's slightly better. And if this game was in Columbus, I would probably pick Ohio State. But the fact it's in Michigan, I, I'm going to go with the Wolverines. Yeah, and I will say, too, Mike, this is Jim Harbaugh's best team to date, bar none. There, there's no question about it. This is the best team he's ever had in in Ann Arbor. And so he's either got to get it done here or I don't know if he's going to. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Well, Nate, any, so just to recap, I have Ohio State finishing 10-2, losing to both the Michigan teams, Michigan State and Michigan. Nate, you have us going 11-1, losing a close game to Nebraska in prime time. So I guess based on uh, my permutation, we're 10-2, probably headed to the Gator Bowl or one of those like weird New Year's Six Bowls that are uh, you know kind of New Year's Six, New Year's Six adjacent. And you probably have us heading to the Big Ten Championship where we'll probably either have a rematch with I with uh you know Iowa from a couple of years ago, maybe Nebraska, maybe Wisconsin. I mean, who really knows what's going to happen in the Big Ten West? But you, you regret any of those predictions? 
I don't think so. I, I feel confident. I'm ready to roll with that with that prediction as of right now. All right. Well, that does it for this podcast. Nate and I are going to continue recording and going to talk about the Ohio State offensive and defensive depth chart, but that's going to be released as a separate podcast. And remember, if you have any Twitter questions, please send them at NutsForBucksPod. We would greatly appreciate that, as well as rating and reviewing us on iTunes. That would be great. Uh, all feedback, positive, negative, constructive, is welcome. And, uh, Nate, anything else you have to say to the listeners before we send them on their merry way with some hang-on, Sloopy? Uh, no. No, actually, wait. Wait a second, Mike. I do. I, I had a Twitter question that came in from Will. Uh, this was actually Let's answer Will's question. And I think you're really going to like it. Let me pull it up here. He says that 11 Warriors recently released an all-Jim Trestle team and an all-Urban Meyer team from their years with Ohio State. And he wants to know who you think would win. So let me list some of the names from each team. Ooh, that's exciting. Jim Trestle, you've got Troy Smith, Beanie Wells, Ted Ginn, Santonio Holmes, Alex Boone, Nick Mangold, Will Smith, Cameron Hayward, A.J. Hawk, Matt Wilhelm, James Laurinaitis, Chris Gamble, Mike Doss, Malcolm Jenkins. Um, and then on the Urban Meyer team, you've got Dwayne Haskins, Zeke, Mike Thomas, Devin Smith, Paris Campbell, uh, Taylor Decker, Billy Price, Pat Elfline, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Shazier, McMillan, Darren Lee, Denzel Ward, Malik Hooker, Marshawn Lattimore. Who would you pick in that matchup? Uh, well, I'm also incredibly biased because I just started, you know, I enrolled at Ohio State in 2011, so I've really only seen and only been a fan for the Urban Meyer era. So I'll go with uh, with the Urban Meyer squad. I know Trestle, what, Trestle was Ohio State for 10 years, right? So he has a little more uh, depth to choose from in a way. But I think it would be really tough to beat the Boses off the edge. Uh, keep in mind, like, Zeke, and you get the whole national championship, you know, run. Uh, that 2015 team, which was pretty incredible. So I'll go with uh, with Team Urban. What do you think, Nate? You probably have a, a more of a uh, better perspective of this question. Yeah, this was tough for me. I, I, the Trestle team's really, really good too. Um, I, I think so. Uh, I'm looking at the article now. Actually, Eleven Warriors broke down each position group and who would win. And I'm a, I'm a little shocked, Mike. They they put Dwayne Haskins as a clear pick over Troy Smith, which I think I don't I don't know if it's a clear pick. I also, man, the linebacker battle they give to Urban Meyer's team with Shazier, McMillan, and Darren Lee. But goodness gracious, Matt Wilhelm, James Laurinaitis, and AJ Hawk, those are some darn good linebackers for Jim Trestle. So. I, I don't know if I see it quite as clearly and quite as, uh, uh, you know, quite as bit of a – they picked Urban Meyer to win in a blowout kind of 38-27. I don't think it's that clear, uh, but I think I would ultimately pick Urban Meyer's team to win that game. That's a great question. I'm really happy with – Will, you said send that? Will, great job on that. that. Way to dig that up. I, I try to read London Warriors, like, you know, every day, if not maybe, like, once every few days, and I didn't see that. So definitely have to go back and, and read that and, and kind of do my own kind of analysis. But that's definitely something that uh, 
you know, if I was like bored in class and I was just trying to think of something to do, I would definitely just like pull that up and just, you know, go in my own world for 50 minutes and try to like match every position group. Good, good stuff, Will. Absolutely. Some darn good Buckeyes on that team. Like, 